And the Lord just laid it on my heart like, and this is the time, let's dedicate all our kids to the Lord, you know? I mean, I just want to do this. Uh, obviously, we want to bless certain kids and certain families, but really it's representative, isn't it? What we're doing right now is representative of our passion to see every uh, kid ri- raised up as a Christ follower. Amen? So if I could have the Aangs come on up and the Marins come on up uh, to the front here on, onto my right. And um, we, uh, we dedicate our children to the Lord uh, here to uh, make a commitment to the Lord. Yeah, come on up. And um, you, guys, you guys ready to... Marin, Marin, Marin clan, you guys ready? But uh, if you... Uh, we dedicate our children to the Lord to commit our hearts to raising them up in the Lord and also to commit their hearts to the Lord. Now, uh, sometimes people ask me... Uh, yeah, it's a, he's all right. Uh, sometimes people ask me, you know, how come we don't do water baptisms? And the reality is is that we believe that every uh, Christ follower, every person, needs to make a uh, conscious decision, their own personal decision, to make Jesus Christ their Lord. And that water baptism really is a sign of that commitment to Jesus. It is a public declaration of one's allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so we don't water baptize children because, well, one, we don't see it in the Scriptures, but number two, because children, when they get older, need to make that decision to publicly make Jesus their Lord and give their allegiance consciously to Him. However, our children are, according to the Scriptures, sanctified unto the Lord because of us. The Scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 7 that our children are holy because of us. What does that mean? It means that because we are Christ followers... And because they're a part of your family, and because, even bigger, they're a part of our spiritual family, we're the believing community, the church, the family of God, because they're a part of our community, they are set apart for the Lord. Scriptures say that, that they are set apart for the Lord. And that means that they uh, are, are they're set apart for the Lord in the sense that they have a protection upon them, and they have a blessing upon them because of us. In Proverbs, I think I, I read you guys this last week, it says this, in the fear of the Lord... There is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. See, because you walk with the Lord, you actually set your children apart through your own commitment to Jesus and also your blessing upon them. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead all of us as a church in committing to these families. We're a church family, right? It's not just these parents committing to these kids. We don't believe in just individualistic Christianity. We're a family, right? Amen? So we're, I'm going to invite you to make a commitment to them simply to model Jesus, right, model the life of Christ, and to pray for them and to support them. Then I'm going to invite the parents to make a commitment to their children to raise them in the way of the Lord and to make a commitment to the Lord to, to live as an example as well. And then I'm going to invite the dads to pray over the kids as the head of their family. They're going to pray, and then I'm going to pray, all right? And, and when I pray, you can go ahead and just agree with me in prayer. So um, the... Um, Ultimately, these children need to make a decision to follow Jesus on their own, right? They need to make that decision, and we want to raise them up with that opportunity and bring them to that point. And those of you who have older children in you know, junior high, high school, they're getting to that point where we want to get them to be, uh, we want to lead them into the uh, water baptism, right? All right, so church, I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to respond with we do, okay? With lots of gusto, because we wouldn't want to be half-hearted about this. All right. New community, do you promise before God to partner with uh, these parents as they raise their kids in the Lord and to provide support and a godly example for them? Amen. All right, parents.
Do you promise before God to provide a Christian home for your kids, to instruct them in the Word of God, to lead a godly life, and to be an example for them to follow in Christ's way? Amen. All right. Well, go ahead and, uh, Greg, why don't you go ahead and pray over your kids as the head of your home, and then, uh, Ed, I'll have you do it. Go ahead. Oh, I, you need a mic. Here we go. I thank you, Father, for the, the blessing of my family, and I want to sp- pray specifically for you today, Daniel. And I want to say, my beloved Daniel, your name means God is my judge. You're attracted to superheroes, and you like helpers on the TV because you love God's perfect justice. You hold on to toy small figurines, and you diligently keep track of or try to keep track of them as a two-year-old because you are a protector, Daniel. You are somebody who knows what is just and is right. You are somebody who hears that from the Holy Spirit. You, Daniel, are a superhero. I bless you with carrying authority righteously. Daniel is one who sees with insight. And today, son, I bless you with seeing with the eyes of the Spirit, like Daniel the prophet. See into the heavenlies. Hear and see what the Holy Spirit is showing you. See what's to come and see what's on the Lord's heart. You are one of those with insight in the book of Daniel that will lead others to knowledge. You are one of the mescaline. I bless you, my son Daniel, with strength of joy and with strength of heart so that you can be the superhero God's called you to be. Okay, little boy? I bless you. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Go ahead, Ed. Thank you for chanting the kids. Father God, we just um, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. When we thank you for um, our sons, um, Benjamin and Christian, Father God, and we just lift them up to you today, and we um, we just thank you, and we we ask for your blessings on them, Father God. We ask for your protection, your cover of protection, um, protecting their hearts and their minds, um, covering them um, as they grow up, Father God. And we ask for your favor, Father God. We ask for your um, just blessings of abundance and fruitfulness, Father God, in their lives. And um, lastly, we ask for just the wisdom and humility in, in their lives so that they will come and seek you all the rest of their lives, Father God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. And so let's, uh, I'm going to lead out in prayer. Just go ahead and pray for them real quick. So, Father, we do. We bless these parents right now, and we ask that they would have the wisdom as Ed said, to lead their kids to you, Lord. I pray you give them creative ideas and uh, 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 to disciple their kids. I also pray for their marriages. I bless them right now and ask that they'd walk in unity and they'd always be connected to you, Lord, that there would be a strong foundation in their marriages for their kids. I bless these little ones right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that they would know you. And I declare that all these children will be taught by you and great will be their peace. We thank you that they will fulfill the calling of God in their life and that they will walk in all your ways in Jesus' name. Amen? Awesome. Bless you guys. Thank you guys. Cool. Go ahead and take a seat. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Angs and Marins, for letting us be a part of that special thing in your kids' lives. If you are a parent and want your kid to be dedicated, just let us know. Like I said, we're going to do a few more next week. And uh, thank you, church for being that support. I love being a part of a church that is pressing into the Lord 
and wants to seek him with everything they are. And I love being a part of a church where parents are seeking God. And uh, I'll tell you, I mean, in a generation where a lot of times men check out, we have a lot of godly men who are raising their kids in the way of the Lord. Pretty exciting. And moms, you're doing a great job too. So uh, just thought I'd honor men when so many commercials dishonor them. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys ready for a little bit more of the Word of God here? Open in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 6 and then Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read a little bit more in Hebrews 12. So Ephesians chapter 6 and then Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, we're wrapping up our series. uh, uh, For the most part, we're wrapping up our series tonight or today on making disciples. And we've been learning how to make disciples for the last number of weeks. And for those of you who aren't Christ followers... Know that for us, making disciples isn't like some cultish thing or like manipulating people or turning them into our robots or something like that. Really, making disciples has to do with loving people. For us, Jesus is inviting every person to follow him because he is the Savior. We simply believe that God created us to be in relation with himself and where sin has separated us from God, Jesus has come. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to reconcile us or bring us back to God. And we simply believe and we know that following Jesus is the best way to live, right? Well, that's good that a couple of us know that. (laughs) Susanna, I appreciate about (laughs) everything. Following Jesus brings blessing, yeah, church? Thank you very much. Following Jesus is the way of life. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Walking in His way brings freedom and brings wholeness. I love that song we were singing, His law is love. His gospel is peace, because when we walk in His way, that's what it brings to our lives and to this world. It's off oppression in our lives. And so, making disciples, as we've been learning, you guys know this, but for those of you who don't, making disciples is really about journeying with other people and pointing them to Jesus. We're not making them disciples of us. We're making them disciples of Jesus. We are servants to this world. Right? Remember we've talked about this, that in relationship to God, we are the beloved. But in relationship to the world, we're salt. We're servants to the world. And we as the church are called to simply walk with people who don't know the Lord and to shine His light in their life, to model what Jesus is like, to bless them, to love them, and to point them to Jesus. Amen? And we learned how to do this a number of different ways. Of course, uh, we'll, we'll do workshops in the future that really help you to learn these skills, but we've If you will, I hope that we've planted a seed in your heart. I hope we've put a vision in your heart for seeing other people discipled. And really, more than anything, I hope that you realize that you're responsible, that every single one of us is called as believers to journey with other people and lead them to the Lord. Now, you can invite them to church, praise God, but you're responsible to care for them because we would never want to birth a child and leave them at the doorstep of an institution, right? And just like that, when we make disciples, just like when we make babies, they need nurturing, yeah? And we have to bring them up in the Lord. I know it might be a lot of example, but really, when you bring someone to the Lord, you bring them into the kingdom, and they become spiritually uh, not only your responsibility, but in a lot of ways, yours and my responsibility as a church. And so we want to be that kind of church that nurtures and brings people up in the Lord. And who more than our own children? Amen? We are called to make disciples of all nations. But we've learned that that starts with the one right in front of us. The least, the little, and the lost. Who are the most treasured ones, but the very ones that we have biologically gave birth to? But again, it's not this series is, and this message this morning when I talk to you, I want to talk to you about 
making disciples of our own kids, those of you who don't have kids but you will in the future, this is vital for you to get ready, right? It's vital for you to hear this wisdom before you have kids. Every parent says, amen, brother. I mean, come on, all of us parents were like, what do I do? And here I am, all of you pre-parents, I'm giving you such great wisdom. But, but even those of you who may not have children of your own or, or you will not have or your children are grown, we as a church, like I already said, are here to raise the children together because it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a church to raise Christ followers, right? So last week we talked about making disciples of our kids and I talked about leading our kids to Jesus and, and doing devotions with them because in Ephesians chapter 6 it says this. In Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> Paul says this to, to fathers, although really it does apply both to mom and dad. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath this is chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So you'll notice, if you think about it, making disciples of all nations in Matthew 28 is that umbrella command to every disciple that all disciples reproduce themselves and make other disciples of all nations. But if you're a parent, you say, well, what's my ministry? Many people will say, well, what's my ministry? What's my calling? Well, if you're a parent, you know that at least some of the people you're going to disciple and bring to Jesus are your own children. I mean, I know it kind of makes logical sense, but sometimes we just need to hear it, right? Sometimes you need to look at it right there in Ephesians chapter 6 and realize, oh, wow, so the nations are my responsibility. Yep, anyone you run into is your responsibility to pray for them and bless them and, and lead them, point them to Jesus. You may not be the one to lead them, but you're going to point them to Jesus. But your own children, more than anyone else, we cannot forget them. Amen? We can't lose sight of them. They are our number one responsibility. And you know, honestly, those of us who are parents, we know that kids grow up so fast. Right? I told my wife the other day, I said, in a couple years, our kid's going to be a tweener. And she said, stop it. Be quiet. I mean, it just blew in that my son's already seven. Like, what, what happened? Like, when did that happen? Did somebody tell me? Did I get a memo? I don't remember that. Okay, fine, I was there for every birthday, but come on, still. I was totally blown away to realize that my son is seven years old. I mean, this is insane. I, I'm like, what's going on here, right? Any parent knows, day after day after day, you can get lost in the, all the stuff that's happening. If you do not have an intentional plan to disciple your own children, you can miss them. You can miss them. And sometimes people who are pastors and missionaries, they're the ones who miss it the most sometimes. Okay, and so my goal, and I pray your goal, would be to let's reach the nations. And those of you who have callings to go to the nations even, or you want to see your coworkers come to Jesus, or you want to plant a church, amen, let's do it and let's not miss our own children in the process, but let them be encompassed in this umbrella. And so you can see here this call in Ephesians chapter 6, to bring our own children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, last week I was talking more about the instruction side of discipleship, talking to them about the Lord, talking to them about the ways of the Lord, and doing dis, uh, devos with them, d d devotions, and reading the Bible with them. And I said you can do this in a formal way or an informal way. So don't ever think that it has to be formal, although I do encourage some formal discipleship and going through the Bible with them. But honestly, it can be as simple as after church on a Sunday saying, hey, what did you learn in, the, uh, in Sunday school? But here's the deal. Parents, don't just ask your children what they learned. Why don't you tell them what you learned? It is kind of funny sometimes, don't we? We ask kids what they learn, and if you have a son, they will say, 
I don't know. Or nothing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, because they're boys. I mean, you just have to know, right? So I know how to get, I know how to trick my son into telling me something. Because boys know, just know how to, guys know how to get guys to talk, okay? But generally speaking, they'll say, I don't know. That's not really true. But if you'll tell them what you learned, you model to them actually getting something out of church, right? But it's the same thing with everything else. Why don't you tell them about your devotions? Because you're doing them, right? Like a lot of times, I told you, I do devotions with the kids at night, at dinner time, I mean, but not every dinner time. And a lot of times it comes out of either my own devotions or as I've been praying, the Lord will put something on my heart to go, do with them. We do also uh, 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 worship, okay? Don't, don't, uh, uh, kid, you know, don't try to do worship like we do here on Sunday morning. This is more like adult thing. We put on a DVDs or VHS worship with kids and expressive hands, and they just do the hand movements with the kids, and they learn the worship songs. We, that's, one of, that's the main way we do worship. Uh, or I think uh, you put on uh, one of our favorite songs lately is uh, uh, God's Great Dance Floor. So we put it on YouTube. God's Great Dance Floor by Chris Tomlin, and just dance around the house, you know? Uh, with, our, with our life group, we would worship, simple song, God is good, and take communion with the kids, real quick, real simple. There's a lot of ways that you can do devotions with your kids, simple, quick, you know, that kind of thing. But with worship, I love it. So Emma, I put a, uh, Emma had me put a VHS in the other day of worship, and she just worshiped all by herself in the room. It was awesome. She just worshiped, and I could hear her singing, like, light of the world and Jesus loves me and I mean doing the hand motions and everything it was awesome so it's really fun but uh so just there's a lot of different creative ways you can do worship you can do devos and we gave you a couple of different uh, ideas in your program if you're if you're interested those of your parents or even grandparents you could get to uh, buy your family resources but what was interesting is I was so excited about that message last Sunday a couple months ago I was putting it together and oh I was just so excited to talk to parents and pre-parents about about leading their kids to Jesus and taking responsibility for their kids and doing devos. This is fun. I like it. I, I love this kind of stuff, you know? And I was so excited. And I went home and, and I uh, uh, hung out with my family. And then the next morning I woke up and I'm going to work. I, I'm pretty sure I was like on my way to work, maybe to Life Pacific College or something like that. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not done. I said, Lord, I just, you know, I just want to do like a real quick message on discipling the kids. You know, it's not a whole parenting series. But the Lord said, you're not done. And then he showed me, and I, I, of course, when he told me, I was like, oh, of course. And he showed me this other side of the verse. He says, bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. In the NLT, in the New Living Translation, it says, in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And the Lord reminded me of the Proverbs, which I'll show you here in a second. And he reminded me, and he said, discipline is a critical aspect of discipling kids. That is different than just discipling other people in our lives. Now, every person needs wisdom and correction and accountability, but when we're discipling adults, you don't necessarily uh, uh, put them on timeout, right? Well, I don't, you shouldn't try that. I don't think it's going to work. But you don't necessarily do that. But the Lord revealed to me, and he reminded me of something very core to me, but also core for us to remember, is that when we're discipling our kids, if you leave out the discipline side of discipleship, you will be doing them a disservice. That in terms of discipling our kids, discipline and setting boundaries and training them has to be a part of discipling our kids. Now, again, I'm not talking about parenting, all of parenting this morning. I just want to remind you that we're bringing our children up in the ways of the Lord, 
And discipline is a huge aspect of that discipleship. And so if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews is talking about Father God's love and Father God's discipline in our life, but it's a model for our discipline to our children. It's an amazing passage of Scripture, and you could apply it two different ways, of course. You could, number one, apply it to how we relate to God, but I want to look at the example of God the Father this morning, real briefly, and see how does that affect the way we are to discipline our children as loving parents. And so if you look here in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 3, I'm going to read a a bunch of verses here. Starting in verse 3, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. It's referring to Jesus. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. He's talking about the fact that Jesus... Uh, laid down his life for us, and, and Jesus is a model for how we are to approach life, temptation, and also suffering for his name as well. And what he's specifically dealing with in this church right now is basically some compromise in their life, and some basically these Christians are struggling with some temptations and sin and questioning whether or not they should walk with Christ. And he's saying, you have not resisted temptation to bloodshed yet. And I like, to, I like to bust that verse out, by the way, when I talk to guys about stuff they're struggling with. I was like, how, how, how much are you really fighting this thing? A lot of times we're like, I did everything I can. Yeah, right. That verse should be posted up on our walls if you guys are struggling with temptation. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. We've got to give our all against these things uh, and not half-heartedly. And so that's really the context is... They're going through some tough stuff, and they're, being, and they're struggling, and they're being tempted, and they're questioning some things. And the author quotes Proverbs 3 about the discipline of God the Father, the loving discipline about God the Father. Obviously, in the context of us as adults learning to walk in righteousness and to say no to sin, Father God comes in and disciplines us lovingly. And the parallel is very clear as I read this, that we as parents are to train our children in the way of righteousness by providing discipline for them. And so he says, verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but, uh, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, of course, the the, the immediate thing, again, is that Father God loves us. And there are consequences and there are disciplines in our life and even things that we might go through that are meant to train us in righteousness. Even as the Scriptures say, perseverance produces character, character hope. And that, that the testing of our faith is actually a vital aspect of growing in Christ-likeness. Man, how come God hasn't come through sooner? Man, how come He hasn't answered that prayer yet? 
probably because you're being tested. And testing doesn't mean God wants you to fail. Testing meaning that God is training you to walk in patient faith and to walk in righteousness, i.e. delayed gratification. Amen? Okay, we'll move on from there. We'll talk about our own kids. I know you guys don't want to talk, mean to talk about you. <laughs> so the application, though, is very clear, that if we as parents are to be like God the Father and basically provide the same kind of thing for them, that just as the Father loves us and disciplines us and trains us in righteousness, we would do the same. And so let me talk to you about three things real quick. The purpose of discipline the heart of discipline, and the means of discipline. Real simple. The purpose, I think, is very clear right here in verse 10. For they indeed, talking about us as fathers, for they indeed for a few, day, few days chastened, meaning about 18 years, right? For they for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, uh, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. That we may be partakers of his holiness. What is the goal of discipleship anyways. Right? What is discipleship? We've said it's teaching people to follow Jesus and become just like Jesus. Amen? Yeah? That's what you'd be doing with any human being. How about our own children? Yeah? Our own children, the goal is nothing less then leading them to Jesus, teaching them to follow Jesus and become just like him, that takes discipline. That takes correction. But that's the goal. Every single one of us as parents and as disciple makers need a vision for discipleship, right? You've got to start with the end in mind. I always do this. I always think, what do I want my children to be like in the end? Moms, do you want your son to treat his wife like he's treating you? See what I'm saying? Now, if you've got a good son, then you're good, right? But there's a lot of times where moms will allow their boys to do things. You're training them to treat their wife like that. You see what I'm saying? And fathers, do you want your son to treat his future Life like that. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Are we training our children to walk in the way of the Lord? And are we training them to be the husbands and the fathers, the moms and the dads that they, 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 they're called to be? Right? That's what I mean. And I'm sure most of you are doing that, so I'm not trying to be confrontive. I just mean that that is the goal. All right? So when we look at the scriptures, we're trying to impart to them the way of Christ, the way of his love, right? the way of humility, the way of kindness, the way of faith, I mean, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to teach them to walk in his ways. And that takes discipline. But it's so important for us to make sure we don't lose sight of that vision. And so it's very important that we see that the goal or the purpose of discipline is holiness. And you see there that in that chapter, uh, in chapter 12, he goes on and says that afterward, after the discipline, if you appropriately and effectively discipline your children that the result afterward, not dream the discipline, and not before. There's a lot of parents who get mad at their children for being foolish or get mad at their children for being sinful. They'll say things like, what's wrong with you? Or, my kid is this. And they'll say something negative. 
or you never, or they'll emphasize their weakness. Do you notice that the peaceable fruit of righteousness comes after discipline, not before, not before, but after. In fact, after, oftentimes, a long time after. <laughs> oftentimes, it takes consistent, gentle, patient, consistent, consistent <laughs> discipline over and over and over again to actually produce the fruits of righteousness. But that's the goal. And see, so it's very important that we don't discipline our children because we're annoyed with them. It's so important for us not to discipline our children because we're angry with them. It's so important that we're not disciplining them just to make them something that we want them to become, but something that Christ wants them to become. Does that make sense? We're not trying to necessarily make them a cloned copy of us. We're not trying to live our lives surrogately through them, right? Sometimes parents will see in their child, one of their children, a particular character trait that is displeasing to them. Just a particular uh, mindset or a particular uh, uh, behavior or um, uh, temperament. Oftentimes, our children will inherit temperaments from other people in our family. And sometimes what we'll, we'll do is we'll see that temperament in our child and we'll just be annoyed. Many, many parents don't even realize it. That's the problem. Many parents don't connect heart to heart with their children because something about their kid rubs them the wrong way. Maybe it's because they're like your uncle or your sister that you had a problem with. Does it make sense? I don't know if you guys relate. But let me tell you, my, I've got three kids, and they all got different personalities. And there are certain aspects of strengths to their personalities. I always emphasize their strengths, but there are certain weaknesses. And the problem will come when a parent, in a sense, fears, okay, will discipline out of fear that my kid will become like that, become like that, you know, my uncle, that like, like, a, like a bum or something, you know? Oh, no. Oh, no. My uncle's a bum. I see that tendency in my own kid. <gasps> oh, no. Or something like that. Like, I'm totally being hypothetical. I don't have a bum uncle. I just mean that I'm totally being hypothetical. But what happens is we'll discipline out of fear, and guess then what that'll turn into? Anger. Yeah? We won't be patient. We won't be kind. We'll only see the person that they are, we don't want them to become. Yeah? Make sense? It's so vital for us to have a vision of Christ, not a negative vision of somebody else. It's so important for us to be developing in them something of Christ and not something that we don't want. You can't parent, and parent out of just a negative vision. Well, I don't want them to be this, and I don't want them to be that, and I don't want them to be that, right? You might say, well, I don't want them to be, have an entitlement mentality. Okay, well, then what do you want them to have? Well, I want them to be thankful. Then how are you going to produce that in them? See, listen to the Proverbs. This is so vital for us to understand. And many, well, let me just read it. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, 24. No, take that back. Proverbs 22, 15. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Our culture doesn't believe that. This generation tells you that kids are awesome and wonderful and amazing. And by the way, they are. And they also have foolishness bound up in their heart. They have purpose, they have destiny, and they have foolishness that if not dealt with, will destroy their purpose and destiny. Our culture does not believe that. Our culture believes that there is no difference between adults and kids. Believes that you should just let your kids be free. Let them follow the dictates of their own evil heart. The scriptures say not to do that, right? 
Just do what you feel. What do we know at this church? Don't do what you feel, right? Don't be led by the dictates of your own evil heart. We need to be led by the Spirit, amen? That means learning to walk in the principles of the Word, disciplined, fruit of self-control, things like that. Our culture does not say that to our children. Our culture tells our children that everything they feel and anything they want is good. Our culture tells us that our children at five should be deciding what they should do and not do and watch and not watch. And that is wrong. They have foolishness in their hearts. Amen? We have foolishness in our hearts. Amen? And we need the training and instruction of the Lord. How much more our own children? What I'm trying to tell you is your kids have strengths and weaknesses in their personalities. If you'll Guard them, protect them, set boundaries, discipline them in the weaknesses, but you'll cherish and value and speak destiny and life to their strengths if you'll call forth who they are in Christ, but you'll discipline the areas that would destroy them. They need boundaries and discipline. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. Listen to the last of the verse. And the rod of correction will drive it far from them. The rod of correction. Let me say it this way. Either they listen to the rod of your word, the rod of the word of God, listen to instruction from the Word, or they'll need a different form of a of rod. <laughs> they'll need consequences. And the reality is, is that no matter how much you talk to your children and do devos and explain things to them, they still need consequences. The rod of correction will drive foolishness from the heart of your child. They need it. In fact, listen to more Proverbs. Proverbs 19.18, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. If you do not set boundaries with your own children, if you do not provide consequences for them, if you do not discipline them, you can do devos all you want, you can take them to church all you want, and you will be promoting their own destruction. Do you see what I'm saying? Like That's just the Proverbs right there. That if you do not discipline your children, you are party to their own destruction because you are allowing foolishness to remain in their heart, the foolishness that will undermine the very thing God wants to do in their life. <clears throat> and so the purpose of uh, discipline is to take wisdom that is on the outside of your children and to impart it to them, causing it to become internalized on the inside of them. The goal of parenting, for them to be Christ-like and walk in holiness, is simply this, that they would own the wisdom, though. The goal is ultimately for them to become our peers. I think every parent needs to have a vision that by the time your children are 18 or 22 or so, that you walk with them as a peer in Christ. Because if you think about it, your son will be an adult longer than he's a kid, right? You only have 18 years with Alex and, and, and very few more years remaining. And soon he will be a mature adult Christ follower. The goal should be do I want to be this dude's friend in Christ? And of course, we should be cultivating that from the beginning. But do you see what I'm saying? And then the goal is, and even more than that in discipleship, is that they would rise on our shoulders. Remember, even Jesus said, he who believes in me will do the works I do and greater works. The heart of the master, the heart of the parent, is always to raise somebody up even further than us. And so we want to see our kids excel, okay? And what they'll need is for us to intake what they don't have, wisdom, and give it to them so that they'll own it. They do not know how to be responsible yet. They do not know how to manage their finances yet. 
They do not know how to clean their own room yet. They do not know how to be a faithful spouse yet. They don't know how to be a parent or work a job or lead someone to Jesus or, or be faithful to the Lord or endure hardships. They don't know how to deal with somebody hurting them and putting them down. They don't know how to walk in the way of Christ yet. But somebody needs to model it to them, discipline them, and impart it to them so in the end, so in like when they're 18, when they're 19, you know, obviously they can do that before, but so that when they're older, they'll walk in these ways. And so we have to think from the end in mind. I mean, as simple as like how to take care of a car, balance a checkbook, right? Especially as our kids get older, we need to help them with those very, very basic skills and yet very important life skills. The purpose of discipleship is Christ-likeness. The heart of discipleship, or I'm sorry, dis- discipline, I should say, more specifically, the discipline aspect of discipleship, the heart of it is that delight. You notice that it's said in Hebrews chapter 12 and quotes from, um, quotes from Proverbs chapter 3 that, my son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you, when, when you were rebuked by him. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. Every son he receives. Now we all say, no, I love my kid. But it's so vital. It's so vital to have a heart that is connected to your child and theirs to yours. That you receive them. Proverbs 3 uses the word delight in them. Like I said earlier, we cannot discipline out of annoyance or frustration or fear or anger, but it has to come out of a heart of delight. You know, the reality is, is we all get tired as parents. And they can wear on us. And I'll tell you, in this area of delighting in our kids, sometimes we just, the, one of the answers is just to repent. To say, Lord, I am sorry. I've allowed anger or frustration or annoyance into my heart. Purify my heart. Teach me gentleness and patience. Teach me kindness. How, help me to reconnect my heart to my kid. When your kid dis, uh, disobeys you over and over again in one day or over a month period of time, if you don't deal with your own heart, you'll disconnect your heart from your kid. You begin to put a wedge there. The enemy puts a wedge in there. One of the other answers is just to pursue your kid's heart, to pursue them, to spend time with them, to have fun with them, to take them out. If your kid is disobeying you or acting up because they want attention, you know, we, we, we do know kids do this, right? They, they want attention. I have two answers. First, discipline the behavior, and two, go after their heart. If I see my kid is, is doing something that is because they don't feel loved, I still discipline the behavior, but the, I got to see the root issue. Does that make sense? So I'm very, very proactive about taking each of my kids on dates or going and, and uh, you know, we call them dates, but I don't know. They're really dates with my son or sons or whatever. I don't know. But I take Emma on a date or I'll go out one-on-one with my, with my boys and, you know, with Joshua, I just take him to the store. He, he likes that. And uh, I bribe them. That's all I do. I just buy them stuff. No, I'm just, you know, we go and we get a, like a donut or something like that or... Um, but we try to make sure we have those family days, we have those times to hang out. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's been tough having three kids to make sure that they each one feel, you know, loved and they're all at different ages. And so they're, you know, and so sometimes I play all with them together, but sometimes they just need that one-on-one, you know? And Michelle does the same thing. We try to have some one-on-one time with the kids. We try to rotate and share. And we try to take the other, I'll take the two, you take, 
Emma or whatever. We try to rotate. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every week. It doesn't even happen every month. But, over the, but we try. But more what we're after is we're after, is my heart connected to their heart and is their heart connected to my heart? Is my heart full of delight towards them? Of course, I love my children. I die for them. But is my heart filled with delight? Is my heart receiving them? And do they feel that way? In a sense, like those of you who understand love languages, you know, we talk about love languages for, for husbands and wives. Do you know your kids' love language and are you lavishing them with the kind of love that communicates to them that they're important and special to you? <clears throat> and sometimes our kids can believe lies that they'll start not feeling special. So it's not a matter of whether you're not doing your part, but if they believe the lie, do something about it, right? My daughter is the only girl in the whole family and I can see it in her heart sometimes. It's hard for her. Whether that's a good attitude or not, like, it is. That's where, that's where her heart's at. I can tell. She's only four. She has no idea what's going on inside her heart. I know. So we do everything we can to try to help in that, you know? Even Michelle the other day said to her, uh, your aunts are your sisters. <laughs> like your sisters. That's what she said. And she came alive with that idea. We're just doing what we can to tend to her heart, right? Not just to behavior, okay? So the heart of discipline <clears throat> is, uh, is to have our heart connected. Because honestly, it's so much easier if you think about it with a lot of times with parents. It's a lot of times easier just to ignore a certain behavior. But listen to the Proverbs. You're, you're not helping them. Or it's easier just to yell instead of get yourself in control and be gentle, right? When I say easier, I mean in the flesh. We have to really consciously think through, how am I speaking? Sometimes my discipline is appropriate, but my voice is harsh. And I'm constantly asking, and this is just more my weakness, to be honest with you, but I'm constantly, and especially in this season, I'm asking the Lord for more gentleness and patience, the fruit of gentleness and patience. Gentleness does not mean I don't discipline. It actually is the opposite. It means I discipline under control with a gentle voice. And ever since, I mean, and I just saw myself slipping into this a couple weeks ago, months ago, and a couple weeks ago, I really kind of dealt with it before the Lord. I've been asking for more gentleness, really in all relationships. But I've just even seen, I come home and I'm ready to just discipline. Not yell, not get frustrated, just, you know, discipline. Like when one of my kids don't listen, or not, not, not that they're listening, they don't respond. Can you please do this? Or, hey, would you like me to make you some food? No response. Oh, it's making me so mad. It was not making me mad. I take ownership for my own anger. I was getting so frustrated with my children with that. You know? And I had to get in control. And I, now I can say, again, you know, kid number whatever, you know. I don't want to tell you any names. Kid number whatever. I asked you a question, can you please respond to me? Just real firm, clear, and direct. That's gentleness, right? Not harsh, not angry. So I've been able to get myself in control in those types of things. But that's what I mean by guarding our own hearts as parents, making sure our hearts are connected and loving. The next thing, the last thing, though, is the means of discipline. Let me just wrap up with this. The means of discipline. Well, I've kind of alluded to it here, but real simple. Let me read the verse to you. It says right here, Verse 10, no, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. 
That is the means of discipline. They need consequences. No pain, no gain. Real simple. There must be a consequence for their action in order for them to learn wisdom and responsibility. It's very, very simple. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, sows, that will he reap. People have to learn cause and effect. Most of us as human beings are full of deception and we have a bad connection between cause and effect. We're good at blaming God, other people, circumstances, but we're not good at taking responsibility. That is why Galatians 6 says, do not be, or do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Your responsibility as a parent is to teach your children reality. The home is a microcosm of the real world. And your responsibility in very small, very nice ways is to teach them cause and effect and to help them understand who is responsible for who or who, whom, whatever. Okay, you guys work on that grammar early, later. Who's responsible? Who's responsible for your hands? I am. Who's responsible for your mouth? I am. Who's responsible for your choices? I am. Did you know that if you do not discipline your children and provide consequences, they'll never learn that? Discipline drives foolishness out of the heart of your children and teaches them to take responsibility for their life and to learn to self-govern under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, really, and I don't have time to go into this, ultimately, by you teaching them to submit to your authority, you are teaching them to submit to God's authority. You are modeling the heart of Father God as mom and dad, you were modeling the heart of Father God and you were teaching them to respect, to obey, to fear, and to honor God. And ultimately, you want them, when they're older, to transfer their obedience from you to God, right? But they have to, under that lordship of Jesus Christ, learn the consequences of their actions. And so if we don't say anything or if we don't discipline or if our discipline's erratic, they don't learn consequences. They don't learn sow and reap. They don't learn responsibility, and you don't impart to them the skills of wisdom and the skills of life. And so the means of discipline are simply is by providing consequences, painful consequences. Now, by painful, I simply mean whatever is painful for them. The reality is every one of your children are different. Just like every kid has different love languages, I think every kid has consequence language. I'm thinking I'll write a book about it. No, I'm just messing. But basically, everybody has a different measure of what will affect them. And you know, you'll hear these books, not, not books, the books are good. you hear these parents say, my kid's just strong-willed. Um, that often would be translated, i just not very consistent with my child. Now, the reality is your kid probably does have a strong will, yeah. But they also have a different measure or tolerance for consequence. And consistency has a way. Oh, there's just a way. There's just a way, I'll tell you. I'm just more stubborn, that's all. But I also understand something, that it's only after the discipline that you produce the fruit of righteousness. Your child will not change after the first time, or the second time, or the third time. Sometimes they will, to be honest with you. Sometimes you get a good discipline in, you get some good consequence, and they'll change. You start it early and often, just like any investment, right? This is my financial investment to you. This is my discipleship investment. 
wisdom to you. You're a new believer. This is my wisdom to you. This is my wisdom to you as parents, early and often. Early and often. Let me tell you. Proverbs says it right here. In Proverbs it says, <clears throat> He who spares his rod hates his son. Proverbs 13, 24. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Or in some translations, early. I go with early and often. If you're consistent and you get on it right away, you can change certain behaviors quickly. But sometimes, like I said, your kids have personality weaknesses. Let's say, for example, that one of your children is like a hundred on the empathy scale, and the other kid is like a zero on the empathy scale, meaning that one child sees the world through other people's eyes and just really, this is different than sympathy, empathy. I just really see how you see things. But another child of yours just does not see the world through the eyes of other people. They are completely see things just their own way. Now, the strength of that, I always think about the strength. The strength is, man, they are determined and focused, and they're going to get the job done. The weakness of it, it will destroy relationships, and they will not gain honor before, and favor with God and man if they do not learn to empathize with people and to walk a mile in their shoes. Do you realize? Man, that means I have 18 years to raise that zero to like a 20. You know, I'm just messing. And we're going for 100. But what I'm saying is that you have to consistently develop empathy in them, meaning that every time they don't consider the person, they need discipline. Consequence, timeouts, lose a toy, whatever. They need something. And you have to think through, what does my kid cherish? Sometimes that means spanking. I'll talk to you. I'm, I'm talking about really mild Spanking. When I talk about spanking, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about beating the kid over and over again. I'm talking about just a little swat on the hand or a little swat on the butt, maybe a couple times or the back. I, just, I don't actually don't do the bottom right there in the leg, uh, but I don't do it very often. Let me tell you, because I don't really need to do it a lot. Once I establish some order, and they know, a lot of times my consequences are things like timeouts or they lose privileges or they lose toys or whatever. Uh, but I will use spanking, and the Bible does advocate that. I know our culture doesn't, because our culture is foolish. But, uh, but there, is, there, are, there, is a, there is the need at times for painful consequences. And like I said, just a swat. It just stings for a minute or so. And again, of course, we always make sure there's a heart connection. Afterwards, we talk about it. We hug. We do a lot of things, okay? because we don't just need the, the, the consequence. We need the explanation. And then with the explanation, we need the heart connection. But there are times where there needs to be a SWAT. So for example, I'll just give you one more recently. Joshua likes drawing on walls. I'd come home. Other children have drawn on walls. All of our children have drawn on walls, and we've had to discipline them. But here's the difference with Joshua. He's number three, and he gets away with it. My wife is amazing. She's doing the homeschool. She's teaching the children. And Joshua just runs around drawing on walls. No, I'm just joking. It's not like that bad. But literally, I would come home and say, who did that? Probably Joshua. You know? And we know because Emma's been a lot better about that. She did that when she was younger. And I'd, come, and I'd be walking around the house and somebody drew all over that wall. I mean, literally, it would be like, what is going on? So one day, I'm home with the kids. Just me. <laughs> and Joshua had a pencil in his hand, and he was pointing it at the wall. And I said, do not draw on that wall, or you will get a spank. Now, let me tell you, he knows what a spank is. He knows what a timeout is. Joshua is very brilliant. He knows exactly what he's doing. He understands my words, though he, doesn't, he only knows like 40 words to say. And he looked at me, 
and he touched the wall with the pencil. And so I took the pencil away. I swatted his hand. You can call Child Protective Services on me if you want, but I'm a loving father. Thank you very much. And I, I think I might have put him on timeout. I can't remember. We either do like a crib or sometimes just sit, up, sit him down against the wall or something. We don't have stairs. That was my place as a kid. The happy place on the stairs, often for hours. No, I'm joking. It would be like 30 minutes. Uh, I put him on timeout, and I explained to him, we do not draw on walls. We're good. Hugging. We're good. Happy. Go and play. I mean, we're all playing. We're, that's what we were doing all day. We're just the three kids and me running around playing. Later, he had a pen. And I was playing in Emma's room, and then I walk out of the room, and there he is sitting, drawing on the wall. I took the pen away from him. I swatted his hand. I put him on timeout. I think it happened about three times that day. I don't think he's drawn on the wall since. My wife would probably say, yeah, he has. I have not seen any evidence of him drawing on the wall since. Let me tell you, it doesn't take that much. I wasn't very harsh, just consistent, very uh, strong about it. I mean, that's all I'm saying, is when you tell your kids no, or you say stop, don't say no again, and no again, and stop again, and stop again. They're like, I don't believe you, you ain't going to do nothing, right? You say, please stop, and when they do it, you discipline them. They lose something. They, they, lo- they lose a privilege. They go in timeout. Now, we use timeout a lot because if my kid's out of control, where do they need to go? They need to go lay on their bed and get themselves in control. That's what I believe. If they are being res- disrespectful, at whining, attitude, disrespectful to me, where do they need to go? Not around me, right? We have a phrase with uh, Emma. We'd say, do you want to be fun? We need to work on this. Do you want to be fun or do you want to go to your room? She learned. Fun? For a while, she'd be like, fun. We're like, that's not fun. We need to see a smile. Fun. She's got the funniest smile when she's faking it, right? Uh, cute smile when it's real, but like the funny smile when she's faking it. Uh, my point is, if you're not going to, what am I teaching you as a child right there? I am teaching you, this is what it takes to be around people. This is what it takes to be around me. And I am teaching you boundaries, and I'm teaching you to control yourself. If you can't control your body or your mouth, you're going to go in time out until you can. Now, sometimes our kids are hungry and sleepy, and that's what they need, food and sleep. That still doesn't mean they can't control themselves. So they still need to go in time out? Here, have a cookie. No, I'm joking around. Have a, here's lunch and go in time out until you're ready to calm down or whatever. So there are times where I, very little where I'll use uh, uh, spanking, I'll use time out. We do take things away at times, or they'll just lose privileges. But the point is, Whatever it is for your child, there needs to be a consequence. And those of you who have older children, I don't mean like college age, but I even mean like junior high and high school, there can be consequences. Don't think that just because your child is older that they don't have consequences. They they need to learn consequences. How else will they learn if they don't show up to work, they lose their job? You dishonor your boss, you lose your job, right? How else will they learn to do hard work? So my things are basically setting boundaries with my kids, things like this. You can only watch so much TV. You can only have so many sweets. You can, every night, you, we work on this. No, I'm joking. We do this every night. Brush your teeth, bathing, naps for when they're real little, you know, or if they're really overly tired, we take a nap. What is that teaching them? Taking care of themselves, setting, being self-controlled, boundaries, things like that. For me, I'm not like anti-cookies. In fact, I just made a ton of them. 
but we teach our children moderation. Does that make sense? Okay, right? Same thing with the TV. You can watch this much TV, but not too much, or video games or whatever. Uh, training them. We do a lot of chores, and we serve other people. What are we teaching them? They don't know how to clean their room. You do it with them. You teach them. You train them, and then you empower them to do it on their own. Our son, now that he's seven, cleans his room beautifully, and yet, do you know, we were pulling out our hair when he was two years old. Because we were first parents, we were freaking out. But no, we were like there with him, cleaning. Most of the time, when he was little, I'd clean most of his room and leave a pile for him. And just make him do that. And then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a, I mean, a little bit more, I'd back off. And now he cleans his own room, right? Emma, she's getting there. Just a little bit more creative. But she's only four. So we have age-appropriate expectations. But if I never taught him to clean his room, I know people who still don't know how. Does it make sense? And what we're doing is if you don't teach them how, then there's still foolishness in there. They don't know how. That's the point. Some of us as adults, nobody taught us how to do certain things. We need to learn how. And, but I'm saying that the room example is a little one, but it's, but it's a big one in terms of we teach our children how to do chores, to do dishes, to do these things. What are they learning? Not only are they learning to work hard, but they're also learning to work as a team, which is the most important thing at, in life a lot of times, right? Learning how to work in a family, but also they're learning, hey, John David, you clean the windows every week, here's some money. They're learning the value of work equals money, which is sowing and reaping. That's not covetousness. That's not entitlement mentality. That's, oh, you want money? You work. Because the last time I checked, that's how the world works. You work and you make money. Yeah? So we have to teach our children how to be disciplined and how, we have to train them in these various ways. Okay, does it make sense? And then, so most of the time, I'm setting boundaries with my kids and I'm training them, and most of the time I'm instructing them and I'm really loving them and playing with them, but there are those times that we have to provide consequences. We have to provide these things. Like I said, if they hit somebody or they lie, they're not being respectful or they're having an attitude or they're whining, if they're, um, you know, in various weaknesses of their personality, we want to strengthen them, right? <clears throat> And really the key thing is this. My dad, used to, or my dad always says this. It's not the severity, but the consistency. So again, it's the consequence has to be painful. They have to really, oh, I don't want to do that again. But it's, but it's that it's consistent. And so if, it's, if they just simply know, I'm not going to get away with that, or dad's going to call me on it, or mom's going to call me on it, sooner or later, it's not necessarily the severity of the consequence, but simply the fact that it's a sure thing. And like I said, that's teaching them about reality. That what you're doing is imparting to them wisdom, and you're creating for them an on, a mindset. Now, ultimately, it's not, thing, it's not just things like, well, if I speed, I'll get a ticket. Of reality, right? Ultimately, it's the fear of the Lord. God knows. And if their heart is connected to you, and they know that you love them, they'll understand the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because they'll know, I'm not afraid that dad's going to hurt me. No, my heart's connected to my dad and my mom, and they love me, but they're doing this for my good, and they're right. And so teaching them in the Bible the ways of God, instructing them, as well as disciplining them so they understand cause and effect, sow and reap, they learn to fear the Lord. They learn to fear God's word is true. God is right. If I walk in his ways, there'll be blessing. And if I don't walk in his ways, there'll be consequences. And ultimately, he sees everything. 
we impart that to them so that they'll love the Lord and walk in His ways and see blessing in their life, we impart that to them by leading them to Jesus, by doing the devos and stuff with them, but also through discipline, all right? And if we do that, let me remind you the promises of God. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You'll impart this wisdom to them. and You'll model it for them. You'll live in the fear of the Lord. and Give them this wisdom. That's what the Proverbs declare to us, right? Isaiah 54, 13, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be, your pe- be their peace. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. It takes time, it takes consistency, but afterwards there is the fruit of discipline, amen? All right, Tom, lead us in response.